Well, that turned awfully quickly. The Los Angeles Clippers weather an early storm from the Dallas Mavericks and overcome what looked to be a game in danger for LA of just completely getting out of hand. Dallas in this game raced out to a big lead, a 19-point lead in the first quarter as Luka came out just bombing threes left and right. He set an immediate tone that seemed to signal Dallas was about to run wild. And, you know, I had a feeling this might happen. Dallas came out throwing haymakers. They were doing everything in their power to deliver the knockout blow here in this game because you go down 3-0 or if you're the Clippers you go down 0-3 you don't come back so they were going out of their mind trying to weather that storm but eventually they were able to it didn't matter that Dallas shot like 70% through most of the first quarter because what ultimately happened was as soon as Luka Doncic had to check out of the game finally for his first rest the game turned on its head like that They absolutely flip it with an 18-4 run in less than three minutes in which Luka is off the floor. And that just calmed things down for the Clippers. They found a rhythm. What's more, in the second quarter, they went from down 30-11 to in this this game, in the first quarter, to ending the quarter down, what, 34-33-32, something like that. Like, they had basically completely evaporated the lead by the way speaking of that yes that means this is the first time this year the Mavericks won the first quarter and lost the game not a trend you really wanted to break but there this was a tale of two games not even two halves although that's usually a typical argument you could make to me this was a matter of Dallas coming out throwing the haymakers the Clippers weathering the storm and then in that And that second quarter onward, really, it felt like L.A. was playing ahead, even though they didn't take their first lead of the game until a few minutes into that second quarter because the Clippers' role players stepped up. Paul George had a sensational second quarter. He had 13 of his 22 or 24 points at half. It didn't even matter that Luka was playing out of his mind. Luka ends up with 44 points tonight, And again, he still can't make free throws to save his life. So as great as Luka was in this game, there was certainly room for improvement. Luka ends up 7 of 13 at the line, and 44-9-9 is his stat line. 7 of 13, by the way, that's another trend here. The Mavericks, they weren't unbeaten when Luka hits 5 or more threes, but their record is damn good when Luka hits 5 or more threes. The Mavericks in this game once again shot over 50% from three. But they were garbage shooting two-point field goals. I mean, they ended up 44%, but they were 38% for a good while. The Clippers, meanwhile, shoot 58% from the field, 42% from three. And their role players stepped up. They got big performances out of... They finally did change it up, did the Clippers. They got big performances, I thought, in spurts out of Reggie Jackson as he returned to the starting lineup with 16 points. Marcus Morris finally started doing some damage again. Um, you know, he, he did a lot of it late as they were finally just completely pulling away, but Marcus Morris gets you with 15 Zubat doesn't do much of anything for you. He ends up with only, 
he only plays 11 minutes and only three rebounds, but all three of them were offensive rebounds right there in a row that helped LA kind of hold on to some momentum there as Dallas was trying to pluck away at it. For Dallas, and I see people already talking about it in the chat, so I'm getting to it. For Dallas, they just didn't have that second guy tonight. Yes, Tim Hardaway ends up with 12 points. Maxi Kleba is your... Kleba and Brunson tie as your second highest score with 14 apiece. Those are very nice numbers from the two of them, but that's not what you need. Tim Hardaway Jr., 12 points, 4 of 14 from the field, 4 of 6 from 3. That's good. He's still shooting the three ball well, but 4 of 14 is not going to cut it. Certainly not the electric performance out of him Dallas has been getting lately. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. There was there was little else to be found, and L.A. eventually keyed in on that. They basically started saying, like, okay, you know what? Your role players finally cooled off. They might have been red hot in L.A., but they cooled off, and now we're daring them to beat us, and they couldn't do it tonight. They, they, they were scrappy, you know? Maxi hit some big shots. Jalen Bronson hit some big shots. There were a lot of nice plays like that, but you didn't have that scoring punch, right? You don't get a big game out of Dorian Finney-Smith. Six points for him. Not a strong thing. 3 of 10, 0 of 3 from 3. Uh, Josh Richardson, only four points and a very quiet performance out of him. Just all around, not the kind of performance you needed. But the elephant in the room, or rather the unicorn in the room, was Kristaps Porzingis. I thought maybe he was turning things around a little bit after game two, his 20 points on 8, eight of 12 shooting, three steals, two blocks that game. KP was really bad this game. And I don't, you know, I don't think the Mavericks offense did him any favors the way that they kind of ran the offense. He had six quick points and then he basically got completely like phased out of the flow of the offense. Even when he did come back in at one point, I think Luca was on the bench during it. He had like a five-minute stretch where it was just him on the floor, no Luca, And he got one shot attempt in all of that time. And he goes three of ten himself, one of four from three. I think that make was his second look of the game. And it's just like, ooh, man. But as bad as that was, L.A. used and abused KP. They went small. They finally did what I was talking a little bit. One of the things I talked about with Innie the other day was how LA could change up what it's doing to Dallas. They could try and just say, all right, let Luca run wild to some extent. We'll make it hard on him. We'll try and get in his head, but make it hard on him. And one thing that we could consider is going small. I talked about, um, I don't know if it was on the show. I actually think it might've been a conversation I had with any. Yeah, it was a conversation just this morning with any in a text. We were talking about um, them going small and playing more Nicholas Batum over uh, Zubats. Zubats obviously only gets 11 minutes here. Batum, what did he end with? Eight points, but three of five from the field. He brought a lot to them, I thought. And by going small, they took KP out of his comfort zone, stretched him out, and KP was just getting, giving up layups, giving up wide open threes just again and again and again and again. And it was even before things broke open there late in the fourth quarter that KP was struggling and this game pulled away from Dallas. Like, they had no momentum. 
Dallas, you can talk about, hey, offensively, they've got to do a better job of getting KP involved and getting him going. That's a conversation you can have, but he didn't have it tonight. He was getting stripped regularly when he would get the ball and try and make a move. Um, you know, he had a couple, he had one little stretch there where he had a couple offensive rebounds that he kicked out to Luca, one of which led to a three from Jalen Brunson. That was huge. And another one, I think, led to a Luca uh, bucket. So five points that you get from like back-to-back possessions that resulted in KP offensive rebounds that set him up. So that's that was good. The problem was he wasn't dialed in. Nine points, three boards. He's rebounding terribly in this series. What did he have? In fact, I want to see what he had in game one of this series. Because I know he only had four boards last game. It was the hole in this game. Yeah, he has had four boards, four boards, and now three boards rebounding. These are terrible, terrible figures from KP. And I say that as someone who, you know, we praised him stepping up in Dallas and being a better rebounder. He went from being like a five rebound per game guy with the Knicks to nine, ten boards with Dallas. And he's plummeted to to the basement essentially here worse than the Knicks production in that regard he does get you four assists in this game that's nice that's not typical but not a strong performance by any means he's a minus nine for the game and you know what it what this game boiled down to not only did you have the Clippers getting their role players stepping up in different stretches much like Dallas did in LA where their role players stepped up, whether it was Hardaway, whether it was Dorian Finney-Smith, whether it was Maxi Kleba. You had moments for Jalen Brunson. You had moments for Josh Richardson. You had all these guys stepping up and making big, big plays. Here, it was the Clippers players that were doing that, even though they're still acting like, uh, you know, little jerks, <laughs> like trying to antagonize and playing the victim. I'm I'm absolutely perplexed by something that happened with two minutes left in the third quarter. You had a situation where Terrence Mann has the flop of all flops. There's a he he shoves Willie Cauley Stein. Willie Cauley Stein shoves him away. Terrence Mann goes down like he just got hit by a sniper's bullet. Just absolutely crumples to the ground. No call is made. He jumps up, screams, and comes charging down the court at a sprint towards Willie Cauley-Stein. The referees review it, and they give Willie a technical. If you missed it in real time, first of all, how is that not a double technical? It's incidental now. It doesn't matter. But it's a really weird thing where I thought the officiating was weird. The double technical early in the game was, I think, a little questionable that... Luca tries to walk away in that case from Patrick Beverly. Beverly grabs him and kind of pulls him back and stays in the conflict. Now, Luca did have an animated reaction to being called for an offensive foul like a second earlier, so that probably played into it. But here, Terrence Mann flops, and then he acts like he's about to go start a fight on the court. And they review it, even though no call was made at time, no foul call, no dead ball, no nothing. The ball is going. The, the Mavericks, or excuse me, in that point, it's the Clippers have the ball, and they're setting up their offense, and they retroactively say, what did they call? It was, it was a stupid explanation, too. It wasn't even, like, uh, they didn't even call it a hostile act. They called it, like, taunting. It's like, 
What are you talking about? And how is it not a double technical? If he was ready to throw fists, how is it not that? He stopped down the flow of the game. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. It Like I said, it didn't matter. But you had little shit like that. You had that. You had Reggie Jackson when Tim Hardaway Jr. is standing out of bounds after it, the ball went out off the Clippers. The ball hasn't gone to the ref. Hardaway is nowhere near the baseline to actually inbound it. And Reggie Jackson just already gets up in his face and starts chirping and starts guarding. And it made no sense at all. Like, the Clippers basically just were trying to be irritants in that regard. And to that extent, I suppose it worked. But it makes them... It's no wonder they're not a very liked team uh, in that regard. If you look around the league, most fan bases with any opinion in the series seem to be pulling for Dallas other than I guess maybe the Hawks or the Knicks but uh it's it's not hard to see why you know if you forgot somehow from last year how unlikable this Clippers team can be they're still reminding you now and of course I even talk about like Marcus Morris or Rondo and their crap so uh weird weird there how that all unfolded but this is just a situation where their guy stepped up Ours didn't. They had two superstars, both of whom performed very, very well. Like I said, Paul George dominated that second quarter. Couldn't miss. Speaking of couldn't miss, Kawhi Leonard made 11 of his first 12 field goals. Even when he went in a slump, he missed three straight at one point. He still ended up the game 13 of 17. 13 of 17 for Kawhi, eight boards. Unreal. Also a couple blocks and a steal. Paul George, 27, 7, and 4. Now, they both played heavy minutes, 42 and 41, so I'm still curious to see. Now, here's the thing. If you're wondering, has my opinion of this series shifted? I did just declare that I think this series is the Mavericks to lose, and I think they're going to win this series. I just said all of that. I stand by it. And... There's a couple reasons for that. Yes, on one hand, if you want to just look at the course of NBA history, you do have a situation where teams leading 2-0 have gone on to win the series. There's been like 43 times it's happened in league history. And in those situations, let me see here. And in those situations, uh, the team uh, leading 2-0 has gone on to win the series something like 80% of the time. I'm trying to find the exact number here, but for whatever reason, I'm not seeing it quickly as I'm swiping through my notes I took. That's annoying. So that's one thing to consider here. Wait, was that it? No. Nope. I'm willing to give myself just a second to try and find it, simply because we're here anyway. If you want to look at Mavericks history, all things Mavs, did uh, throw this out on Twitter earlier. The Mavericks win leading 2-0 in a series in franchise history. 1986, first round against Utah. They won that series 3-1. 2002 versus Minnesota in the first round. They won that 3-0. 2003, round one versus Portland. They won that 4-3. That actually is the one of the closest instances of a team being up 3-0 and then nearly losing the series ever. Mavericks were up 3-0 in that series and had to go to Game 7 to beat a very good Portland team. 2006, uh, first round versus Memphis, they won 4-0. 2006 finals versus Miami, this is the anomaly here. We know 2006 what happened, Dallas loses 4-2. 2007, 
2011 first round versus Portland, they win 4-2. 2011 second round versus the Lakers, they win 4-0. So there's a lot in play in that regard. But it's in it's very much still the Mavericks who were in the driver's seat, even with this. Oh, here it is. So there have been 31 teams in NBA history to trail 2-0. And in those situations... And in those situations, those teams are 4-27 and 27 in terms of coming back to win the series. The Mavericks have been on the wrong side of that equation once before. I mentioned 2006. But I think it's worth noting that this Mavericks team, even in this loss, even though this was a bad loss, right? We know how bad the defensive rating was. And they have not been able to stop the Clippers. But you look at other things. They shot 44%. You'd like to see that be better, particularly more efficient early on. They're still shooting over 50% from three in the series. Free throws, again, troublesome here. Luka still struggling in that regard. Seven of 13 tonight, barely 50%. Uh, The team, as a result, was 12 of 18. Turnovers, Dallas does not turn it over a lot. They won the turnover battle here, eight to nine. And rebounding they got out rebounded by six here and that's a little problematic although they won the offensive glass by six so I guess that sort of cancels out for me I look at the I look at what happened here and I say well this was the biggest game in Clippers history tonight I honestly feel that and a lot of that just comes from the fact that they're a franchise that's never won anything they spent the majority of their franchise history as a joke so being in this situation with the super team they had built last year, last year's failure of 3-1 blown coming into this series and then losing its first two games at home coming into this situation in Dallas, they had to win. And you look at how the game played out. Yeah, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are capable of playing like that. Even for the majority of a series, they're capable of playing like that, but they are going to wear down. I do believe they are going to wear down and it's going to come down to can the Mavericks get more out of KP because good God, they need it. We're not even talking bubble KP. We're the, we're the antithesis of bubble KP right now. Can the Mavericks get something out of KP, something more like they got in game two? Hell, I'll take game one where he had like 14 points. Can they get something out of him and can their role players keep performing well because all they were really missing tonight was that second guy if kp plays anything like game two kp 20 points they cover it i think they cover it if hardaway isn't so cold for a lot of this game again hardaway shot what was it four of 14 four of six from three is nice but if hardaway plays like he did in games one and two they, they win this game, I think. They lost by 10, but it got away at the very end. The defense is what has to be addressed, namely KP's defense. The Mavericks went up 2-0. The Clippers did finally make adjustments after the absolute scorching start to the game. The Clippers made adjustments, and Dallas did not have a counter. I know you. I know you want KP out there because you know... You need your capable weapons out there, and he is a capable weapon. But this was not a game for him. (laughs) This was not a game for him to actually show out and do anything. 
and he was a liability. Salute to our new subscriber. Uh, it was He was a liability out there, and it absolutely caught up with them. He was doing way more harm than he was doing good as they were trying to seize back control, rest back control in this game in the fourth quarter. So, you know, there's not a whole lot more <laughs> to really say on it. It's I expected this game to kind of play out this way. I initially thought, and, I, and I'll cop to this, I initially thought the Clippers were going to win game two, and Dallas, coming back to Dallas, would just be happy with a split. I, I was very happy to see that wasn't the case in that Dallas. Salute to our new subscriber. I don't know why it's duplicating the sound a little bit. Uh, I was very relieved to see that Dallas wasn't content with just the one game that they wanted and were willing to take by force game two as well. And we talked about how the Clippers, oh, they did so much right in those two games, and yet they lost. What does that do to their confidence? Well, here, they, the Clippers did everything. Like, everything they could, plus they got the role players. So what's the trend that we walk away with from this? Do we come out of this game saying... What's more sustainable at this point? The Clippers role players, salute to the new sub, that the Clippers role players are more likely to continue playing at this role and that you can continue this kind of wear and tear and grind on Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. It's possible, but I still think Dallas is the better team. I think that tonight went sideways Dallas did not adjust well in game and you know not having that second guy was their undoing tonight Luca needs help you can't you can't have him needing to score 44 and drop seven threes every single night just for you to have a remote chance you can't have him go to the bench and within three minutes you give up an 18-4 run that took what was about to be a freight train running away and instead turn the game completely around where now you went from up 19 to not only do you lose the game, but you spend the majority of the game chasing. Never by much. The Clippers' biggest lead in this series, I mean, I know obviously they got up 10 and even 12 late in this game, but through with six minutes left in the game, in the entire series, the Clippers' biggest lead has been seven. They pushed it to 12 here tonight. Uh, with you know two or three minutes left or whatever. This is very much a matter of who can keep who can keep going as they have been. Is Dallas you know cooling a little bit? If Hardaway comes down to earth a little bit and KP doesn't step up, then yes, Dallas is in serious, serious trouble. But if they're able to shake it off and bounce back, because again, when you can talk about how much Dallas came out and threw haymakers and tried to lay everything they had out there to get this win, to put their boot on LA's throat. But ultimately, LA needed this game more. And that's not a debate. LA had to have this game. Dallas wanted the game. LA had to have it. And that desperation eventually came through. So... 
it is what it is, man. Dallas is going to have to make adjustments. This is where now we determine, all right, Rick, you had won the coaching battle through two games, a little over two games, if I give you the first quarter for the most part. Now we need to see, can you make adjustments to their adjustments? Can you find a way to get more out of KP? Because you have to. If that means you have to get him going more offensively and more involved earlier, you got to do it. Because he's going to keep getting attacked on defense regardless. I think what you have to do... I mean, they're not doing him favors with the offense. Even before his defense just went to complete garbage in this, you still had a situation where he was very much absent on the floor. Even when he was out there, he wasn't making much of an impact. So you have to be ready and willing in those situations to to make adjustments. And it didn't feel like Dallas did that in this case. But it's a it's a series and I've pretty much contest uh, contended from the beginning. I thought this was going to be a six game series regardless of which direction it goes. We'll see. You still own the edge, you still own home court advantage for whatever that's worth. Hey, think of it this way, Dallas has been better on the road all year for whatever that's worth. They've been better on the road all year and that kind of continues to play out here even though you should have had the home field home field home court advantage in this case. Now, depending on what happens in game four, you might be back to the slight, I don't know if you want to call it an advantage, but at least level playing field going back to L.A. But, you know, we'll take it one game at a time and see where we stand. But that will wrap up my time here, guys. It's, uh, it's late. I got an early morning. I'm actually going to be out of town for the next couple days. But I will be back, obviously, in time for the next game for game four and we will talk more then. But until next time, guys, don't forget to drop a like, leave a comment below, subscribe to the Dallas Prospect, and until next time, remember, every legend was once a prospect. Peace.